Well, hello and welcome once again to the Buxton Real Estate Bayside Podcast for another week. Anthony Hudson with you, joined once more by two of the most experienced and best men, arguably, in real estate in the Bayside area from the Buxton Real Estate Office to help guide you through these crazy times. David Hart, first of all, welcome. Thanks, Hutto. Good morning. Good to be here again. Morning, and Johnny, Johnny Clarkson, Clarkson welcome to you, Johnny. Who said the podcast wouldn't last episode <laughs> two and we're flying? We are flying indeed. So much to cover about the effects of COVID-19 on the market and the industry will do that. We'll also have a look at a few great properties that are available at the moment in Bayside and have another war story or two. But can, can we just start from both of you, I guess, from the offices in there, just with a general feel, probably in the last 10 days or so, is there a little bit more stability now? Hutto, I reckon there's a little bit of a, uh, a light at the end of the tunnel. There has been more stability in the last week. Um, our office, a couple of weeks ago, we were a little bit worried about what was going on. Um, we had four properties sell last week, which was good. It's a different market. We're just not dealing with the same numbers of people that we were a month ago. But I think it's pretty fair to suggest that anyone out there now, whether they are a buyer or a seller, is fair income. We're not dealing with uh, the traditional lookers who are just doing their homework for interest sake. We're dealing with real people who want to either buy or sell real estate. So it is more stable and there are certainly transactions happening and there appears to be, just as I said, that bit of light at the end of the tunnel for all of us. And Johnny, you, you sort of made that point last week a bit, didn't you, as well? Yeah, we did. It was interesting, the timing, Hutto, because the last podcast we did was just prior to Easter. And the government uh, made some dramatic changes over that Easter period, affecting open for inspections full stop. And at that stage, they're going to go on the track of, of not where you couldn't open uh, properties if indeed it was actually an owner-occupier. Uh, but they changed that rule, and that's actually made substantial differences. What, and Hardy's just outlined it, what you're actually finding now, you actually qualify to the nth, nth degree in terms of a person coming through the property. You actually qualify a if they've actually got finance in order, B, if they're ready to purchase today. So as a result of that, your qualification is, is resulting in people going through the property that are genuine purchasers that are happy to transact, not the ones that are saying, oh, I'm just looking or I've just started off in the market or I'm going to buy in two or three years. You're actually fine-tuning what their, their needs and desires are and if they're in the position to action straight away, well, vendors are quite appreciative of that because they, they only want to have people through their property yeah. and their their home that are right to go. I mean, that initial ruling would have caused a bit of angst, I imagine, but it, it got it got uh, fixed pretty quickly. Oh, it was a nightmare, uh, nightmare potentially. Yeah, I was going to say, Johnny, we and Hutto, we all sort of panicked when we heard that news because it was it was thrown upon us very quickly that inspections were were blocked, and we were a bit flabbergasted looking at the queues of people going into some of the uh, the hardware warehouses and things where they were queuing up and going through in mass numbers and. All of a sudden, in real estate, they said you can't even take one buyer through a house privately with all the precautions that we take. Over the next two or three days, there was a fair amount of discussion had between the real estate industry and the uh, and the local and state government and saying, heavens, they, um, they changed that ruling and said, yep, you can get buyers through one-on-one, uh, taking precautions, because we thought we'd been closed down and we had a lot of vendors trying to sell their houses, who many of whom had already bought a property elsewhere, so they were getting quite anxious. So... Certainly, there was a fair bit of relief on the, um, I think it was a Monday or Tuesday when they said, okay, no, the doors are open, you can take buyers through with the proper precautions. How are the vendors going with all of this, those that already had their house on the market or those that, that have, have put their house on the market? Um, look, I think, that, as I said before, a lot of the vendors now are very, very genuine people. They're selling for good reason and, and normally speaking, that good reason is they may have purchased another property elsewhere and they need to settle elsewhere. 
So they're being, you know, they're being terrific as far as being accommodating. They want us to take the necessary precautions and make sure that people, you know, they use the hand sanitizers and only go through one-on-one. But they want people through their houses because they're out there for, for real reasons. They want to get their property sold. Uh, they're realistic on price. Many have adjusted their prices from a month or so ago. Uh, so that isn't an issue. Having, you know, having realistic sellers who want to get people through their houses is by no means an issue. Johnny, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, whilst the listings are going to be down, the people that are actually out there now, and it presents a real opportunity for vendors and buyers for two reasons. One, vendors are not going to get world record prices, but if they're prepared to listen and read the market and make an informed decision, then they will sell a house. And I had one in Sandringham last week with that very approach where they started off a little bit optimistic. They read the play. They knew what was going on within the market. We had a purchaser who made sense in terms of what the desire to purchase and, and our job, as you know, is to mediate between two parties and resulted in a level where they were both unhappy, which resulted in a very successful sale for everyone. Have you got a feeling yet on what the market's done or is it still too early? You talked about being realistic with prices and everyone loves a number. When will we be in a position to say, oh, the market has either broadly or, or locally come off a certain percentage? I think that uh, we all want to talk the market up, particularly as agents, we want to talk it up. But in realistic terms, I think it's been, uh, it's pretty widely accepted. The market's probably come off a good 10% from yep. the, the lofty peaks of a couple of months ago. And the discussion we've had with a few people is how do you compare this with the GFC? Um, and back in the days of the GFC, the market came off by between 20 and 30%. So if it's come off by 10%, uh, with all, all that's going on, it's not that bad. And it's come off 10%, if that's what the number is, from very lofty heights. So when we get back there again, I don't know. Uh, but to answer your question, I think, generally speaking, um, people are considering a 10% as a, as a fair sort of figure that it's that it's reduced over the last six weeks or so. Yeah, and I suppose to some degree, like, the, like any financial crisis, there's people that are um, – that get really directly affected and their situations are, are you know, potentially calamitous. But there's also a lot of other, a number of other people that actually, are, you know, have kept their jobs and that whatever their investments are have been okay. So they're, they're probably looking for an opportunity potentially. Well, they are. And, and not only that, there's a the transaction I did last week in Sandringham. He works in HR. He's working for it in our days just to keep up with things. So he's really confident about the future. And, and like with, with most things, and we outlined this uh, in the last podcast, people that are trading are actually purchasing at the moment. They're looking at a seven to 10 year hold. So the speculators are not in the market, like where people are punting the market, if, if you're like and saying, all right, well, I'm going to pay X today, which means I'm going to get an increase of Y in 12 or 18 months. That segment of the market has obviously gone out. But the majority of people, are coming in that actually want to purchase and realise it's going to be a long-term hold. It's not going to be a quick stock market turnover at all. So that philosophy stands in good stead for people because in a lot of cases, people that are looking and see their dream home, if you like, that they've got to action that straight away and make the purchase because if you actually walk in your dream home that fits, say, if there's two partners involved and it fits the criteria of both parties, there's no point in waiting three or four months because then you're forever trying to go back to the one you actually wanted to buy in the first place. Just to go over again, John, sort of what the process is now as compared to what it used to be, and we touched on this in the last last episode about, I guess, your day, but more broadly, if, if someone comes to you with a property that they, they want to sell, what's the process and likely time, do you think, as compared to what it used to be? Look, the setup's still the same, Hutto. Um, 
in terms of we're not doing public auctions now, but we do have access to Zoom auctions and we also have access to expression of interest. So putting a set date in where people have got to make a decision by all the standard private sales. So there's still plenty of opportunities for, for vendors to set up their programs. Some, some properties are perfectly suited to an expression of interest type campaign where in, in terms of his pricing is not an issue. If you can arrive at where the likely uh, three to five percent range is going to be, where well, private sale is, is is fine for people. You still set it up the same way. You've still got to get your photos, your floor plan, your copywriting all done. That's usually a ten day setup, and then you go into action. Where it does change the day to day activity is you're not putting in formal open inspections at a particular time and getting thirty people through. You're getting everyone through on a one to one basis. You can only only have. Uh, one person in the property at the one time, the, the vendor is not allowed to, to be there. But that e enables the, the purchasers to take a little bit more time and they're not surrounded by a lot of people. But the actual program in terms of length of time is usually under the same setup of, of about four weekends being the right source. What we are finding that the better and the hotter buyers come within the first seven to ten days of a campaign or program. In a yep. lot of cases, they're stepping up and, and, and then saying, you know what, I like this, everything's in order, I've got the contract, it fits my criteria, uh, I'd like to pay X, and then you go through the process, process of negotiation from there. How are you finding the like a Zoom auction type scenario? How, how does that play out? Well, we, we have our, our fellow officers, uh, Bentley officers, have done a couple. We haven't physically done any at this stage because our new programs are actually starting. I've got one starting off in, in Moorabbin next week, which we're going to go down the approach of a Zoom auction. The Zoom auction is a different style of auction because obviously you're doing it through a video screen as opposed to the live theatre you provide when you're doing a street auction per se. But if you've got... Uh, a realistic vendor, and that's important at the moment because if they've got their head in the clouds, then basically we can't help them or assist them. Uh, but if you've got a realistic vendor that's prepared to meet the market, you're still going to get – you might not get five or six bidders, but you'll still get a couple of interested parties that, that result in competition. You'll still end up finding the true value of the home that way. Hey, Hardy, do you think Johnny would uh, – you know, his style would change for the Zoom auction as compared to out on the street? Hello, you know Johnny as well as I do. I doubt it. I think he loves he loves to be loves the theatre, loves to have a spotlight on him, loves a microphone. Um, but so no, I think his style wouldn't change on a video or a Zoom auction. I think in reality, the majority of the campaigns we're doing here locally in Brighton are going to be private sales or expressions of interest. Um, we're great believers in recommending to our clients what's best for their property. And I know across Melbourne, the, the Zoom and the online auctions have been tested the last few weeks. I think that they haven't probably had the same clearance rates that we were enjoying with live auctions a few weeks ago. We're open, we're certainly open to them. And as Johnny so rightly said, with the right property, it's a great idea. But I think, you know, in reality, with the numbers that we're dealing with, and you know, it's a market now where we don't need to have 20, 30, 40, 50 people go through a house. We can have three or four highly qualified buyers through and put a sale together. So I still think that at the moment, probably private sale and expressions of interest is in the greater number of circumstances, the better, the better option for our clients. David, what do you think the impact's going to be on, on the industry from, a, you know, from a, uh, an employment point of view and from a sales agent point of view? Yeah, look, that's a great question, Hutto, because I think no doubt it's got to have an impact on individual salespeople. Uh, number one, I think if you were struggling as a salesperson six weeks ago when the market was firing on all cylinders, you're going to have a great deal of difficulty dealing with the current market. If you couldn't survive and thrive in a bull market 
or a very strong market, you're going to find it very difficult now uh, to survive the next six months or so. So I think we'll see many of the, those inexperienced agents potentially leave the industry. And also, I was talking to Johnny Clarkson this morning about this, and I think what I would um, term in the nicest possible way, the young, the young rock star agent, the agent who's got, got to the business two years ago and they're, they're leasing $150,000 Mercedes-Benz or Range Rover or whatever it may be and they're living in a one-bedroom rented flat in Elwood, um, they're going to they're struggle because their cash flow is going to be challenged considerably and they're going to find it very hard to pay those lease payments on a $3,000 a month JobKeeper allowance. So it's going to sort out, I think, the experienced finely tuned agents from those who maybe have jumped in in the last couple of years, you know, with the idea of a, you know, a fast dollar and a good lifestyle, which I think Johnny, after 25 years or whatever it is in the business, can attest to that it's, it's a long-term business and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's going to affect the inexperienced, no doubt, in the short to medium term. Just to add to that, Hutto and Hardy's nailed it in one. I remember starting my illustrious career off and doing night school at Barton TAFE and there was 45 students sitting in the room for, for day one and everyone's nervous there sitting there at 7 o'clock at night. It's freezing cold and the heating not working. We're going beautifully. And the lecturer walked in and got everyone's attention and he looked around at the whole room of the class of 45 wide-eyed students and the ages varied pretty much from probably oh, 30 to 50 in terms of the age demographic. And he looked at everyone in the room and he said, all right, put up your hand if you want to be earning 200 grand and driving a BMW in 12 months. And I knew that uh, that was not going to be the case, but half the people put up their hand uh, quite vigorously and quite enthusiastically. He said, all right, those with their hand up, keep your hand up. And while your hand up, stand up and walk straight to that front door because you are kidding yourself. <laughs> so that, uh, that started off things and also outlined it, part of that conversation was, or other people I've got in the room here now, there's only half of you, A, that will actually gain employment, and I can assure you 65% of you won't be here in 12 months. So for the crash and burn ones and the ones that haven't sort of seen the other side, and we, we touched on in the last podcast about the different events we've gone through, GFC, of course, we talked about, and we talked about dummy bidding being, being, being sacked and the tech wreck. So there's been a few hiccups along the way. This is probably... And no doubt, the most significant of a lot of them, because this has been the only one where you, you, your work has, has changed quite significantly in terms of the volume of, of work you're actually doing. Okay, Johnny, let's have a chat now about a couple of properties for sale people might be interested in, starting at 10134 Wally Grove in Brighton. Little apartments have just come on, on deck too, and, and you've got to look at the moment, if you're a buyer in the market, you've got to look at things that are sensibly priced. There's one that's just coming in the market in Wally Grove, two bedrooms, one, one bathroom, in a really handy spot there. It's, it's around sitting around the 900000 mark, and that is realistically priced. And as I said, you've got to be realistic price in this market because if you are, the buyers will pay some attention to. If you're out of whack, if you're even 5 to 10% out of whack, the buyers will mark really, really hard. Hardy's got one I'll get him to speak about in Peacock Street, which I actually had the pleasure of selling uh, about 12 years ago now, and that is a ripper in terms of its location and its accommodation. I'll get Hardy to speak about that. Yeah, look, it is, Hardo. I mean, at the moment, we're probably starved of good prestige family homes, and this one at 4 Peacock Streets, what I would term, it's pretty much a hamburger with a lot. It's... Uh, a beautiful four-bedroom plus study, multiple living areas. It's got the pool. It's got the home theatre, uh, the alfresco area. Great part of Middle Brighton. You can walk to Church Street. You can walk to the train station. You're not far from schools. It's a house that's probably going to sell in the mid-threes, 
which is, you know, in today's standards, it's a, it's a fairly typical prestige Brighton property. But there, there again, it's one of our vendors who is very genuine in their intent to sell. They're going to relocate within the area. So if anyone's looking for a ripping family home in that sort of mid-threes with all the accommodation, all the bells and whistles, I reckon the Four Peacock Street certainly worth considering. And you can see both those properties. The one Johnny mentioned at 101 stroke 34 Wally Grove. And four Peacock Street, they're both online with plenty of photos, so you can have a look at those. Yeah, so where, where's Peacock Street exactly? I, as I said, I drove past, but uh, it was sort of a nice little, uh, as you said, a, right in the heart of Brighton, really, isn't it? Yeah, look, it runs off Hampton Street between Hampton Street and Champion Street. So you're literally about, I don't know, four or 500 metres from the top end of Church Street. So it's a really central location. And those uh, uh, Hampton Street shops as well, they're not far away either, are they? Exactly. You've got the village shopping down there. You've got Hands where half of Brighton have been buying their takeaway meals the last few weeks. So no, a ripping, very, very convenient spot, Hutto. And have either of you got the 15 Huntingfield Road in Brighton? That's an interesting looking house. Look, I've got that one as well. Um, and that's one which is a beautiful, it's a cul-de-sac. It's, uh, it's a dead end. You don't yeah. get any traffic besides your neighbours. At the end of the street, there is a right of way. So for those who want to walk down to the Half Moon Hotel and leave their car at home, when the Half Moon reopens, you can walk around to Church Street in about five minutes or you can walk to Middle Brighton Station. It's a really smart contemporary home. There's a master bedroom downstairs, which is, is pretty popular nowadays. Um, and we just sold the one across the road at number 15, which they're going to actually knock over and rebuild. And that sold for 345 and we're chasing something in the very early fours for this contemporary one at, um, at, at number 15. So nine, 19 was across the road. I might have said 15. 19 was across the road. This is 15. So, yep, and great house. It is very contemporary, isn't it, in its look? Very contemporary. The beautiful lady who owns it is an artist. So there's a bit of colour in there, which I think is nice. When most of the houses just have a white palette nowadays, she's chosen to have a few feature colours. But it is very contemporary. It's got a nice little plunge pool. <laughs> Spectacular gardens, but, uh, you know, you'd move in there and, and do nothing. It's got new bathrooms, kitchen's pretty new. Uh, so if, if you want a contemporary house in a great spot, also well worth consideration. All right. Johnny, have you got another war story for us, or was your TAFE one the one that you wanted to go with this one? No, another little one that might have come across our desk, Hutto, from many years ago, probably about a decade ago now. I sold a property in North Brighton, which the top end of North Brighton, which the actual property backed onto the Burn Highway, which has turned into a eight-lane carriageway. And I'd, the day I signed the contract uh, after an auction and four or five bidders and, and flowed along beautifully and above reserve, and it was all one of those standard situations where every auctioneer and vendor loves. So I sat down to, to write the contract out, and I thought, this bloke is going to be driven mad by the, the noise here. There's motorbikes going in the background and there's... There's uh, trucks going by left, right and centre, so I'm quickly, feverishly writing out the contract as I go through. I thought I'd better get this signed off and get the check as quickly as he possibly can before he works out that uh, it's actually quite a busy location. But as he <laughs> turned his hearing aid uh, up and down, I thought, well, we're going to be okay here. And things went along swimmingly. It was a 60-day settlement. After 30 days, my vendor was actually up in Queensland living. He'd, he'd moved out and moved up in Queensland. I get a call from him quite shaking over the phone. I thought, well, what's going on here? He said, Johnny, I've got a major problem. The purchase just rang me. He's threatening me. He wants to get into the house and wants to paint and wants to do this and wants to do that. And I thought, this is not on at all. I said, don't worry about this. I'm going to get straight onto this case and we'll sort this out in about five minutes for you. So I rang 
rang the uh, purchaser, who actually during the program was actually quite reasonable to deal with, and turned very aggressive and very angry and very nasty, and finished up with a conversation with a get, and I won't even say the second word, but you can probably work that in, and so I hung up the phone on me. And my colleague had heard the conversation, had actually been sitting there, and he Googled the purchaser's name. And he said, Johnny, before you ring this bloke back, I think you better wander over here and have a little bit of a look at this. The track record of this particular purchaser, let's just say a colourful character who may have spent fairly uh, a large amount of time in the big house and had a, a track record of several high-profile cases that had appeared in the paper in recent years. Not going to na- name him because no, he actually is still around. Don't, don't you um, name names, Johnny. <laughs> no, there's no, no <laughs> names, no names, no pactrill. But needless to say, I didn't actually make that return and follow-up phone call for the said purchaser. But fortunately, the, matter pur- uh, the, the sentiment went through and I didn't have to deal with him ever again, fortunately, from my point of view. Uh, courageous Clarkson, that's what they call him. <laughs> Thank you, Johnny. Good stuff. Have you got a final message for our listeners, Hardy? Look, it's just as far as we're concerned, Hutto, it, it is business as usual, as much as possible. So if, any, if, if anybody has any questions or they want to have a chat about anything at all, um, they can ring, email Johnny or myself, and any time we're happy to just engage in conversation and, if nothing else, chew the fat about what's going on, and we'd love to hear from anyone and help anyone at all with their real estate inquiries. Thanks, Hardy, and thanks, Johnny. And a big thanks to you for listening. Make sure you contact Buxton Real Estate or go to buxton.com.au for any inquiries you may have. We'll talk to you soon.